What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve, Gigi, and Dr. Wes Hendricks. Where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of information as well as, as well as, I mess it up every time, as well sorts of, all sorts of terrible misinformation. Today, we have a good friend, colleague, awesome overall person, Ashley Bell. Say hello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, so Ashley Bell has done multiple things and has run studios, does yoga, teaches at the college, um, is an, was an art teacher, which I yeah. just found out. Oh, yeah. Is giving away colored pencils to my daughter, so already a win for me. Right. Um, so the first thing that usually I want to talk about is what influenced you to become part of the health and fitness industry how did that story start oh just like come out of the womb and just be like i really want to be a yoga teacher and help people move better and serve others well the helping people thing was an early was an early piece of the puzzle so i grew up um dancing i was not a good dancer, but I very much enjoyed dancing. So from the time I was five, ballet and then tap, and then I danced on point when I got to be old enough and jazz hands and all that stuff. And um, when are you old enough to dance on point? Um, it used to be, we had to be t- nine or 10. Um, there are certain structural things I think that have to happen for you to be on point successfully. Although I'm sure in places where they're like cranking out hardcore ballerinas, they, they start them earlier. Right. Um, probably Europe, like right. wrap their ankles when they're like in, no in their crib or something. <laughs> but um, at our studio in Virginia, where I grew up, we had to be, um, I think I was in fourth grade when I started on point. Um, that really not my forte, but um, enjoyed it. Like, so and just enjoyed moving and enjoyed the freedom I felt dancing. Um, and uh was also lived in the woods as a kid like loved to move loved to hike loved to just take the dogs to run around um and uh also uh played sport went to a small private school so was able to play sports um with very little natural talent for for all most of middle school and all of high school a bunch of different sports yeah i played um softball i was cheerleader i did a little bit of cross country that was definitely not my thing um i played volleyball for a season were you Um, a setter or a spiker i was a scorekeeper but in practice like i dominated i practiced with the team and then i kept score okay uh that's good and uh (laughs) I, I'm not a super competitive human being. So whenever I was having at that age, any sort of insecurity, I was much more comfortable in an environment where I was not going to be tested on my sure. skill or okay. lack thereof. Right. Um, but I did love to love to love to move. So I was dancing, you know, like I was dancing uh, usually two nights a week and also sports were either two or three nights a week. So I was always busy. And um, then and uh, I also was very involved in the visual arts. Um, and so I liked, I mean, at the time I didn't have the words for it, but I knew that when I was dancing and when I was engaged in sport and when I was drawing or painting or whatever, that there was a feeling of empowerment that I didn't have at other times. I was super shy um, and uh kind of not a jump in kind of person. So I just knew that when I was engaged in these activities that there was, I felt more alive is the word, sounds kind of cheesy, but like it just, it felt there was a power and a strength in in those pursuits that really meant something to me. Would you say like totally spitballing, but that's a, was a great way to kind of express yourself. Like maybe you're introvert, right? I'm naturally introvert too. Totally. So like there's a way I can get all this energy out, which everyone wants to be social. Everybody wants to like, yeah. artistic and expressive and that was just your outlet yeah I've, movement as well as yeah artist, right? well in the visual arts that you know when i went to grad school and studied artistic development i mean there is much about 
the visual arts, especially at an early age, that is sensory motor, right? So like, it's not just the, the, I see a picture in my head and I'm like making a product, but, but the, 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 the movement associated with, with the kinds of visual arts that I was interested in also, there was that expressive movement quality. Um, And the visual arts in particular was where I got the most feedback from adults that I was quote unquote good. You know, I knew that I was an average dancer. I was an average softball player. I was a mediocre cheerleader, whatever, but I knew I've been, I've been, yeah, I was an excellent scorekeeper (laughs) because that involved like a pencil and precision. But, um, but I got the most feedback from adults that I was good at, the visual arts. Um, and what is, uh, forgive me, like, what is visual? Like The visual arts are going to be like, as opposed to the performing arts. So like drawing, painting, sculpting, photography, like all of the things that, you know, produce like a, something you can look at. So when you're good at visual arts, you're like good at taking the perfect photograph or making a I can make or... something that looks like something. I mean, that is in retrospect, like yeah. when people decide in elementary school or like when, you know, people decide pretty much at a young age, they've either been told they're good at art, which means they can color inside the lines, draw a circle, they're neat and tidy. Um, or they're told they're not good at visual arts because they can't do these things, which is grossly inaccurate. But that's sure. what that's those are the bins we're sorted in when we're younger. And I was sorted into the bin of, oh, you're good at this. And I went, okay, because I like to please people. And so I just did the thing that I was told I was good at. Right. Um, and And I also got a lot out of it. Um, from an expressive perspective, it gave me a voice in a way that I didn't actually have to like stand up and talk in front of people. Right. Um, and so I knew that I was going to study visual arts in college and I ended up going to this small liberal arts school in Virginia, um, called Washington and Lee. And, um, I had been there about a month when I suddenly realized that if I kept eating like dorm food and, um, drinking keg beer and was no longer like performing as a dancer or, you know, like as an athlete five, six days a week that my pants weren't going to fit. So I thought, well, hell, I've got to, sorry, heck, I've got to do, (laughs) I've got to do something about that. And I always had friends that exercised for the sake of like staying in shape, um, which I never really did. And they said, oh, we'll come to this. um, uh, There's a, an aerobics studio in town. There's a fitness center that has aerobics classes. And I thought, Oh, I don't want to jump around like a ding dong. So like that doesn't sound people, like a good idea. So like most people, you did a bunch of stuff in high school, played multiple sports or yep. maybe one sport, and then you get to college and you're like, right, freshman 15, well, I don't I just, have to work out anymore. So I don't, you know, I yeah. don't work out. And, and I just, just felt crappy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I felt um, stuffed in my body or something. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I didn't, I don't think I gained, I don't know how much I gained because I've never been somebody that weighed myself, but right. I just, I knew that I had my clothes didn't fit right. And I just felt overstuffed. I don't know yeah. what, it, how do we even explain it? So I went to this step aerobics class, which was okay. the thing. This is the, the year My mom did is 1992. Yeah, just like to give it perspective. Three steps that had multiple risers, right? Yeah. Well, those were the like, they still use those like Reebok steps that have the different yeah. risers. The, this was a little Lexington, Virginia. It was run by these two. I don't think they mind me calling them hippies, um, that had come down from New York. Um, they had a baby and then like an older daughter. They were this really fun, eclectic family. And they actually made their steps, like built their steps out of wood, painted them with this like nod skid paint, different colors for different heights. <laughs> nice. um, it was so like sweet and yeah. um, quaint and small town. And But I took this class and felt like a total spaz. And afterwards, the the woman that owned, of the couple that owned the studio, she's this really tall dark haired, like sort of, she carried herself with the most grace. And she said, do you have a dance background? And I said, yeah, why? How did you know that? And she said, I could tell by the way you moved that you had a dance background. I said, really? I feel like I tripped over my step like six times. I just picture you like and using she, your hands and making this like ballet, like. No. You know? And because like I said, I was a dancer, but I was not graceful. I'm not built for ballet. I'm not like, I don't, I'm not naturally the flexibility that I have, the hypermobility I have is not the kind that dancers are typically looking for. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, but what she saw was that I knew how to listen to cues and move accordingly, I think. Um, And she said, I, all of my teachers here are seniors. I'm going to need some new teachers. Would you be interested in teaching 
step aerobics. Take this is one how, step this aerobics. This is how it started. Class. This is how it started. Step aerobics is how step it started. Step aerobics. What I, year is this? Let's just like. This fall of 92, probably September of 92. Okay. Maybe October. And uh, she she recognized that I had a movement background. I had I had taught some little art camps. I When my dance teacher blew her knee, um, some of us that were older were called in to like demo and help with some of the younger kids' classes. And I knew I liked so some experience teaching. teaching or coaching or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And so, and you know, I found out she was like, yeah, we'll, she's, they basically said they'd train us. So they, they knew that the trainings were really expensive and that they were tended to be in places like DC that we couldn't necessarily get to as freshmen in college. So they said, you know, it's a, I mean, it was legally probably not the smartest move, but they basically brought yeah, in a manual. In Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they trained us on, you know, movement and form and, and pacing and how to structure a class and kind of mentored us. And so I started, I taught step aerobics all through college. Oh, I wish I had a video of that. Yeah. That amazing. Yeah. And, uh, going the archives. I still, I had this, um, classic, we had this classic rock step aerobics cassette tape. And it was, um, it started out with that song that goes like, it's like, I think it's a slow ride. Do you remember that song? So like every time I hear slow ride, I have this weird, like I want a grapevine or something. Like it's a very strange, it's like burned into my brain. We took a couple step aerobics class in PT school because they would make you take Pilates, Tai Chi, I think Taibo was was big yeah. at the time. We even took a step aerobics class it's just a, to, so you could see what it's like. You know, I like sure. to immerse myself in multiple movement patterns. It's Wes loves that. Right? It's really interesting. I mean, like yeah. I have taken a step class or three probably since then, and I mean it's fun. Yeah. I like I like the propulsion. I like somewhere someone is doing step aerobics. Oh, there are some videos somewhere, on somewhere. the internet. Probably yeah. still in Lexington, in Virginia. There are right? some videos yeah. on the internet though, where there are some dudes who took like step aerobics and step team and like merged them together, and it is like it's super cool. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll ha- I'll have How to. How long does it take you. before that makes a circle back? You know what I mean? You know, yeah. like it's gonna make a comeback. I think it's gonna make a comeback. Yeah. yeah. It, Maybe. Yeah, step aerobics. I, I like it. I want to circle back to one thing. Sorry, okay. I can't finish. Circle so back. what do you think, and we geek out on this stuff all the time, what made you actually do something? Like you felt crummy. How many people in the world feel really crummy? But you decided, I am actually going to go and work out and do this step aerobics class and then go ahead and like stick with it. What makes somebody... You know what I mean? I think that's just sorry, interesting point. But like, can you go back to that and think like, I just were you just that motivated and be like, you know, it wasn't aesthetics, obviously. Maybe some of it was your pants weren't fitting. I mean, it was practicality. Yeah. You know, like, you know, my my pants were a little snug. You know, I was having some like bra spillage. Like I was like, okay, this is not. I can't go buy a whole new wardrobe. I just started school. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just felt. I think it was having those experiences of being really committed to movement on a regular basis when I was younger. Yeah. So that when it was missing, I missed it. Yeah. You know? And so it was like, oh, I've had this huge, because, you know, I think when people, you know, I think part of the challenges of keeping up with, you know, this base, and I do think that movement, like deliberate movement for the sake of maintaining, you know, an overall sense of, uh, physical potential, right? Like keeping ourselves able-bodied is, is a really fundamental, um, aspect of, of, of feeling alive, you know? And, and so I think for a lot of people, it's always circumstantial, like the things that keep them from getting exercise, they're generally circumstantial and, and it becomes, you know, like, a routine will change. Like you'll get into a routine mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to have had that idea and, and to, well, it's really about being able to experience the way it makes you feel to be active and embodied and expressive, the feeling you have during the feeling you have after, you know, like if you've had a chance to experience that, I think it naturally, and if it's, and if it's something that you experience that is, um, guided by people who have some awareness around creating the right experience, right? So that's the problem that a lot of people have is they go to try something new and they get their butts handed to them by some sort of sadistic, like, you know, trainer person or instructor. How much can I wreck this one person? Right, right. Make them sore and think this is the right thing. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's, you know, the person that's 
that's created the workout, but sometimes it's the individual feels guilty or bad. You know, we have a lot of good, bad around exercise and, and movement, I feel like in our society and food. And so people feel like they've been bad and that they need to punish themselves through exercise. And so then they crush themselves and then they don't feel like going back because right. they feel bad when they're doing it and they feel bad after they've done it. We talk a lot about in my, in my practice is when patients talk about working out and they're like, oh, I feel sore and I feel wrecked. And I was like, you should, and I feel like a lot of people talk about this, you should feel better after you work out, right? Like after I work yeah. out, I feel better than when I started a lot of times. I mean, some, day, some days you do get beat up or whatever and you've got to do a hard workout and that's fine. But 99% of the time, I feel better after I work out. Like, how many people yeah. actually think about working out through that lens? 100%. You know what I, mean? I mean, it's important also because I think what happens from a, you know, to use a little bit of yoga philosophy, this concept of balance yeah. is that when people push the pendulum so hard in that direction towards self-punishment, towards over-exercise, sort of, then what tends to happen is that it swings back the other way and it sort of justifies overindulgence or over other coping mechanisms in other aspects of life, or it just puts them down for so many days that when they come back again, it's like, it creates a broader sort right. of swath. Of and that's not sustainable. Like nothing. No. And those pendulums just aren't sustainable. No, ultimately, I think when we start to hone in on, on keeping the swings a little more, you know, like, I mean, everything in moderation, including moderation, but like, ultimately, when we start to create, a, you know, a place where we're really very well resourced, that that's when health starts to become more, you know, yeah. tangible yeah and sustainable. What, do you, what do you think like after you do some of those hands down workouts or some of the one arm like do you feel worse after the workouts do you feel a lot better or <laughs> <laughs> um i'd say if you're if you're working at a percentage of 99 percent of the time i'm gonna say like 75 80 percent yeah you feel better uh yeah i feel better yeah but there's days you know you know if it's late into a phase or whatever or, you know maybe i've been pushing it too hard or some circumstances you know i've right. I'm tired, you know? Yeah. Do we like, that's the thing. Do we need to feel wrecked? Cause you make a lot of improvements over time, very slowly, yeah, yeah. right? You yeah, need to the point doing that stuff that you did. 1% better every day. Right. And so to do that, you probably need something that's more sustainable. Like we're talking about as opposed to like, let's just wreck ourselves immediately. And then all of a sudden we're going to be able to do, you know, lift a bunch of weight overhead or, or squat a lot more or do a handstand or be able to do, you know, Give, right. me, give me a cool yoga move. I don't even know. You know, <laughs> I sure across them. Sure, there you go. Whatever. That's a yoga word. Yeah, heck that's no. a yoga word. Um, yeah, I think it's and I, I think it's something that people don't talk about enough. Is this it, because I mean, the we're so extreme in society in general. I think that it's like you know, it's like you know, body shred and, you know, maximum this and burn, burn, burn. And it, and it, yeah. it gives the idea that you need to be monster energy more, drinks. Yeah. Monster <laughs> energy drinks. More all the time, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, die. nobody can be, even professional athletes, they train periodic. They're not going a hundred percent 365 days a year. Right. That's not how it works. And they're not even going a hundred percent in their work capacity in that individual workout right for extended periods like there's a time to increase intensity and there's yeah. time to like you know yeah warm up cool down all that kind of stuff is a big piece of the puzzle it is yeah okay so circle back <laughs> how long so here's one many question. circles how long did you take the step aerobics class before you started coaching it was there a long time like oh i took it for a year and then all of a sudden or it was this seems like it was a really quick transition from it was a pretty quick transition i mean you're asking me to remember a college and be <laughs> kind of hazy yeah but um not that long but the thing with step aerobics was um it was very formulaic so you know we got an understanding of you know you're basically you're interacting with the step right so it's like what are safe ways to approach the step Right. What are safe ways to step away from the step? You know, here are the, you know, the basic components of movement. You know, here are the heart rate. You need to stop at these times to check heart rates. You, you know. stopped and checked heart rate? We did. We did. I mean, we did, I think, a resting maybe at the beginning. And then when we got like halfway through the, the big bulk of it, we'd stop, take a heart rate, have some water. 
And then we do the rest of the workout and, and, you know, cool it down to the point where we could get on the floor. And before we went on the floor, we check heart rate uh -huh. before we went down to abs. And where would you want to be in your heart rate? You just check it and be like, Hey, if you're, yeah, we had a chart, you know, that said yeah, that had like the, you know, it had like the age curve and yeah. the different breakdowns. And they just wanted to make sure that, bef you know, that people were not, they just wanted to make sure that people were not, this is orange theory right there. Well, right, no, no I, but I think you're trying to target, aren't you trying to, I've never been to Orange Theory because I don't like trying to. No, they have like a, a green, green, You want to be orange, in a certain zone. You want to be in the orange zone. Which right. Is like fat burning or something. Yeah. Surely. Yeah, like 70% or 60%. Yeah. 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 Don't but be in the red. In this red. case, it was just <laughs> was because, was in this case, it was just because <laughs> they didn't want you to lay down while your heart rate was really elevated. They just wanted you to like cool down. They wanted yeah. you to take that. They wanted you to take it to the floor gradually. Um, and they wanted you to, I guess, because step, like if people get lightheaded when they're doing step and you trip and then you fall, you're probably bleeding. Like it's it can lawsuit. be kind of dramatic. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's a that's a, that's a good so thing they to were, avoid. Yeah. yeah. So they were just getting people to, I mean, that was just part of it. They would, you know, check your heart rate, make sure you're not above. They were just trying to make sure we weren't above yeah. what they considered to be a safe. Yeah. That's level. making a resurgence even in the PT world where people are starting to take heart rate and blood pressure during treatment sessions to kind of measure, yeah. you know what I mean? As opposed to like, um, RPE, you know what I mean? Your perceived yeah. exertion. Yeah. That's a good way to kind of see if a patient is in distress or something like that, which I think is really interesting because that's like, uh, you can't fake that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, we had people in our, you know, in my previous practice that were, um, being treated and they would say they'd be in like a 10 out of 10 pain. And like, usually if you're in 10 out of 10 pain, your heart rate right, is right. extremely elevated and their heart rates would be like, you know, 57 right you're like oh you know what i mean that's a really cool way to objectively measure something for sure and uh i think that stuff's going to make a resurgence with wearables and stuff like that coming back into into life and people oh, yeah. don't wearables is that like a fitbit yeah yeah, heart, okay. fitbit, yeah heart rate monitors oh yeah the, um we did uh we did at when i was at eco they did a whole thing with the ones yeah. that go over your chest and then there's a watch that reads the thing and yeah. it tells you all the stuff yeah that's stuff's data, I mean, data, I, data. Yeah, I hate it. I just want to work out and just want to get a burn. Yeah. But for a lot of people who don't know where they need to be, it's a right. really good be like, you need to be at 130 beats per minute, and that's where you need to stay. Don't go more, don't go less. Right. It's a cool way to, I don't know, just something it is. that's kind of making a resurgence. We did not have that in 92. Yeah. You just, yeah. But I don't. In your neck, right? I think I maybe started teaching in the spring. So there were some months of, yeah. some months of, but she needed to know that I had, she knew that I had a movement background. Yep and had could take instruction and and i don't know how she knew that i was going to be able to teach but they 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 talked to us about and when you when you do step when you teach step aerobics you demo yeah so it doesn't require the kind of you're not exercising uh, the whole time you are so it doesn't but it doesn't require like when i'm it, it's it's much easier for me to say do this for those folks listening, I'm making a shape with my body, but like, it's much easier to tell people. Starfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's much easier to say, to show people how to do something and hope that they can make their body look like your body than it is to explain, tell them how to yeah. put their body in that position. And that's what they do in most classes now. Right. right. Any of these like Les Mills body pump and that's kind of. Yes. Now. Most yeah. group fitness is done that way. Um, because you know, you can kind of turn your back and hope for the best. Yeah. Okay. So how about this? So step aerobics class, do you think that was sufficient to keep people like healthy and fit? And like, was that enough for, uh, was um, that kind of a loaded question and not, you know what I mean? I, well, I tend to think that there's not really any one thing that can keep people healthy and fit over an extended period of time. Sure. Um, like some movements better than no movement, but it's still a small piece of the, right. I mean, I think that I think that this was the era of the step, the stairmaster as well. So stepping was a very big deal Yeah, in the late eighties and early nineties. Totally. We were steps. big yeah. into step taking. Um, so jogging. Yeah, I mean, jogging as a, as a, as an 18 year old, 19 year old, um, I mean, I was because you were doing heavy weights. I mean, are you breaking no. a sweat doing these things? Yes, you have like little small dumbbells. Sweating. We had weights. Yeah, we had weights. You know, the the sort of typical group X dumbbell weights, the non bulking weights. Yeah, even 
you know, laughing about that whole thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, you know, we did do some, some grounded, uh, movements with the weight, you know, bicep curls, tricep press, yeah. you know, do squat and push ups and, like and push ups. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 We did those things. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, you know, sufficient. And I mean, as a, as a, it, as a, as a kid, you know, cause you're still a kid at that point. I was, you know, I was walking to and fro class. We were hiking. Yeah. Um, and, uh, now, so yeah. 30, yeah. 35. So. so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's not of the, it, I think it's more, it probably was more effective than say running because there was propulsion, you know, there was sort of a sustain, you know, there were parts where you were jumping parts where you were, you know, stepping more, there was, there was more variability in the range of motion. You know, yeah. you were going around up over down back, you know, I think there was, there was much more, I, I like, I tend to think that people in terms of the long haul are better served with, um, types of exercise that introduce a wider range of yeah, motion. It's not monostructural. It's right. just like up and down or. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start a step aerobics class here in Charleston. Is that what you're thinking? Dude, I, I mean, yes. I have thoughts on yes. this. I have thoughts on that. You can still take it at certain gyms around town, like big box gyms. They have, mm -hmm. They have step. Yeah. They do some version of it. I've seen it in like body pump or body. Ball. Yeah. And you get them. the steps. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a whole thing of like, our gym has purchased a hundred of these steps. We've got to do something. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Nice. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they, uh, it's still out there. Yep. It could be fun. Yeah. It could be fun. You can make anything fun. You can make anything fun with the right people. Yeah. No, yeah. For sure. Some laser lights, a strobe light. Oh man. Ooh, um, no strobe lights with steps. I feel yeah. like that's a tripping <laughs> tie -dye, hazard. Tie-dye t-shirts. Glow, glow, yeah. Glow in the dark step class. Some music, a DJ. EDM all day. Yeah. Long. I think that's our next The fitness, yeah. ex the experiment. The you experience. heard it here first. Yeah. Come join us. The Charleston Step Aerobics coming to you soon. Coming to you soon. That could be my next. That could be, be my a, next, next venture. That could be the next thing. Be a bar as well, so afterwards you could drink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is you know, that's the big thing now, right? Is yoga is entertainment, so we just move it into fitness as entertainment. Are we yeah. already doing that? I'm not as tuned into the fitness world as I should. No, be. it's getting there. I love the idea. We've talked about this of having a place that could be like coffee shop, movement practice. Yeah. Maybe even a bar in the evenings, a place where like people can go hang out and work out and create like a you know community around that. I think Con that would be congregate. Congregate, yeah. yeah. You could go out places. Because yeah. yeah. community-based fitness, I think by far, you know this, you know, everybody here knows this. Yeah. That's just I think it's the way to go. Like you almost like coaching it, you kind of made yourself part of the community. You became a coach. And like now, of course you're gonna stick with it. I think it's probably one of the reasons, in my opinion, maybe not, that you stuck with it. When you become a coach, you become fully engrossed and like that's a way to stick with fitness right there is to become a coach of fitness. Oh, interesting. You know? That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think for me, it was just a natural extent. I have taught everything that I end up liking, I end up teaching, but I'm a teacher. I mean, I'm trained teacher and that's my, that's always been right. my career path. The, the, the tendency of <clears throat> in the yoga world in particular, people to sort of like take it up and then suddenly like, throw their careers away to become yoga teachers is a, is a fascinating phenomenon to me. But, um, I think for me, it was just a process of, uh, I mean, I knew from dance and from sports that consistency is essential to yeah. like, so why yoga? Why did I start practicing yoga? Yeah. Why you instead of step aerobics or well, I did step aerobics and then I, I did step aerobics and then I, um, moved out of Lexington and I stopped doing step aerobics when I went to Manhattan for grad school. I didn't join a gym or anything. I just walked, you Everywhere. know, hundreds of yep. blocks every day and that seemed to do it. Um, and, uh, when I moved to Charleston, I would kind of, I would walk, I, I lived downtown. So I would walk some, and then I started going to the wellness center and I would try to like use the machines, I guess, you know, like that's what we did in high school. We had a fitness center built when I was in high school and it had, like Nautilus machines and, oh, yeah. and um, which I do think have a great purpose for some people, but you know, probably it could be a possibly a safe way to start. Yeah. For yeah. Some people yeah. Who, or yeah. when you're older and, and stability is more of an issue, it can, can, I mean, I, there are situations There's a time and place sense. for everything. 100%. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
And so I was, I was down here and I was actually started yoga more for stress management than for the movement piece. So I was, um, like some of the meditative. Yeah. I was stressed out in my, I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was doing all the things that I felt like I was supposed to be doing, but it was not lining up. I mean, in my head, like I was still pretty miserable in a lot of ways. So, um, a friend of mine was, um, going to this yoga class that was being held in this, it was like a holistic healing center. It's not there anymore. It's been gone a long time. I think the guy did some sort of like energy work with the spine and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And Reiki um, crystal stuff perhaps. A little bit like that, yeah. but it had like a name and it was about getting the spark down the spine or something. Anyway. Sounds like a chiropractor. <laughs> no, not a chiropractor. Yeah. But it was like, I know you're a chiropractor, but it was like more, it was less like, He's going to move you and more like he's going to summon the, I don't know. So okay, anyway, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of chiropractors that do stuff. Okay, great. Yeah. So, There's so many stuff that, that I- are summoning the, yeah. um, it's like bubble, bubble. To like That's a discussion. But uh, yeah, it is. But um, the, he would let this girl that had moved, who was from Charleston and moved back from the West Coast, teach a class there once a week while she was waiting to get her studio open. And that was, um gaia that's kate smith who yep. was gaia and um my friend was going to see the spine guy and she was like oh you're stressed out there are these yoga classes and uh on whatever night and i was like okay i can do that and so i went and i liked it and I it was know your journey started here with yoga that's interesting yeah 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 like 15 or 16 15 16 years ago. yeah and um and uh it just made a lot of sense to me. It, it spoke to the sort of dance background because there was a marrying of strength and flexibility that I hadn't really experienced since I was dancing. And whatever you start, you teach. Like you immerse yourself in something and you're like, I'm just gonna teach that thing. Yeah, well, it's always about, I mean, not with everything, but so for me, the teaching, the going into teaching art was always about, you know, adults would say to me when they'd say, what do you like to do? And I'd say art they would say, oh, I can't draw a straight line. And I would think that is so not it, right? And so I thought that going into art would be a great way to empower people to feel strong in themselves as individuals, but also better able to connect to the world around them and, um, and, and more trusting of their own experience and expressive, like we talked about. And so with, with, you know, it kind of started with the, the step aerobics thing in retrospect was a key part of the puzzle, but at the time it just seemed like something to do, you know, and it was challenging to me. There's a lot of like rhythm and math and choreography in it that I appreciated. Anytime you get experience, people ask me like, how do you become a coach or how do you become a better PT or whatever? I was like, start freaking coaching people. Yeah. yeah. The best thing to do, like low hanging fruit. I don't care what it is. aerobics. You know, it could be handstands. It could be and it's talking and it's like actually i think connecting to which is an interesting thing that i feel like the a lot of the wellness and fitness world and it has has there is an element of like being a personality more than being a coach or a teacher and you know i come from a place of being a teacher and i couldn't figure out forever why this like why the yoga industry was making me insane and it was because i felt like it was pushing me to be you know, that more that of a public figure, more of a public actual, figure than yeah. a teacher. And I've taught so many different things and nobody had ever wanted me to be a public figure or take my picture or yeah. like have me do a Facebook post about my morning or whatever. Like I, it was a weird, like, and it, it was like, it was frustrating me because I couldn't figure out why it was irritating me so much because I'm usually pretty good with the flow. Um, yeah. and, uh, and that was part of it, but but so the, you're, you're naturally intro, introvert. You don't want to be no, I do in not. the limelight, mm-hmm. right? I don't. You I want don't. That kind of like safe setting where you can be a teacher and a coach. And then, well, and I um, also know that, and I had a conversation with a a friend and who did a teacher training a few years ago um, that I had a limited amount of involvement with, but she taught took taken a lot of my classes through the years, and she was talking about. Um, it was such an aha moment for me. And it was something that she said totally off the cuff about how she was trying to decide if she wanted to go into teaching or not. And it was this thing of, um, well, I know I have something to say or that I want to share with the world or whatever. And it's sort of like, I don't even remember the words because as soon as she said it, like this light bulb went off in my head and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so what's weird about yoga teaching 
right now is that it's it's become about the teacher. But as a teacher, teaching is never about the teacher. It's about the students. Yeah. And it's never about having an agenda. It's about having a plan and then going into the setting and interacting, observing, listening, interacting with the students to help bring everybody along in a way that grows them in some capacity. And it's really hard to do that the way that the yoga industry and the fitness industry is set up when it is a sort of like, we're going to schedule all these classes and then, you know, drop in whenever you can. It makes it harder to coach and teach people. Um, I'm sure it's easier, you know, as a chiropractor to work with clients who, you know, come, you know, on a weekly basis or a bi-monthly basis, some, sort of, some sort of consistency. Way to improve. We're just I know at 10 o'clock, so-and-so is coming in as opposed to 1030. Let's see who walks through the door. Right. Right. Well, and it gets you true from a teacher standpoint too. Yeah. Like, what do I teach? Yeah, how do you, how do you What's my skill that? level of my clientele? Well, and coming from the yeah. arts, right? Like if I were teaching a, like a drawing class, if I were going to teach drawing, I would, I would, first of all, I would specify what aspect of drawing I was going to teach. Maybe it's just intro to drawing. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, drawing the human form. Maybe it's uh, drawing with Conti crayon, maybe, like whatever it might be. I would narrow the focus. I would set a time to meet weekly and the same group of students would come at that same time for a set period of time so that we could, you know, like grow collectively, I could form a relationship and, and start to get to know the students. They could start to know each other. And that, that, that kind of community is just a natural byproduct of that, that setup. You wouldn't like, if somebody were like, Hey, can I drop into your drawing class? next week when yeah. I taught drawing, I'd be like that. I mean, you can design once to just check right, it out. But that's multiple that's not really how it works. Yeah. But in, in particularly in yoga, which is a super complex, you're talking about a philosophical system, like a lot of it's in a different language, like, and it's, and you know, really complex movements and movement patterns. And we just sort of, you're like, sure, just drop in whenever. And it doesn't really, I felt like I got to the point as a teacher where I couldn't, get I could only get people so far and the so the thing with me with the teaching of art and then and then uh and then yoga was that the yoga was like the art it had the capacity to embody you know to teach people embodiment and and relationship to self and relationship to other um and 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 a sense of um kind of relationship to the the way that the expression relates to the internal story and all that stuff, but without an end product, like the visual arts, there's usually an end product. And with yoga, there's no end product, right? There's no performance. There's no final painting yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it was a natural progression for me when I first practiced yoga, I was like, oh, like this is the next, I see this as being an even more powerful tool for like, helping people, educating people, helping people to become, you know, more of who they are so that they can contribute to society in a more powerful way so that we can all be elevated. And so it, it was, it was a, it, it's never been about yoga or step aerobics or art or anything to me. It's always been like, what is the tool at my disposal to help serve that greater purpose? Yeah. Most people, I mean, guarantee you, if you ask, let's ask a hundred people, like, is yoga like meant, what is yoga meant for? Right. And what are most people going to say? Oh, Flexibility. Yes, yeah, stretching. Right. So it's, oh man, I need to do yoga. I need to like, I get all the time. Like, oh, I should stretch more. I should probably do yoga. And I was like, yeah, yeah. what? I was like, most people don't look at it as a, as a means of a movement practice or maybe even almost like a skill acquisition. Yeah. Right. Or like a mental. A mindset. A mindset. So it's a, a mindset. A mental acquisition of, of a, you know, a higher not being, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. being able to like, yeah, improve mentally as well as physically. But so that people don't, cause it's really interesting you say that. Like for instance, let's just take CrossFit, right? So right. you go in, you regularly do CrossFit, you have a goal in mind. I can't do a pull-up. I need to do a pull-up. Right. Right. Sure. I need to be able to squat 135 pounds and I need to be able to squat 250 pounds. Maybe that's what yoga needs to instill. It's like for me, it, it being devil's advocate, I want to know what the next step is. I need you to tell me what the next step is. So I know the goal, the next step is the, the goal. Like I need a physical goal and maybe that's what yoga isn't about anyway, but like I can't do a handstand. I can do a handstand. So, I can do a side plank. I can't do a side So plank. I have 
from my perspective, yeah. my evolution, I've come to have a problem with that because there's always a one plus one plus one plus one thing. I squat 200 pounds. So now do I want to squat 201? At what point in time does it end? And you just, it never ends. And as opposed to just having an upward vertical goal, I feel like you should have more lateral goals or sidestep goals. And I kind of like what she said, that there's not a physical ending. Cause like, I don't know. I don't think there should be a physical ending. Like what happened? You know, it's kind of like how much love is enough love or how much money is enough money. You're never going to, once you squat 135, then you want 136, then you want 137. Yeah. Well, and we know with regard to sort of exercise and fitness that like, if I narrow my goal yeah. and my whole reason for being becomes, you know, squatting more, squatting more, yeah, squatting yeah. more, squatting more, I'm, I might be growing here, but I'm limiting. Yeah, it's, it's super self-limiting. And I, so I think that we're yoga. So yoga on a historical level, there's this one sort of bit of philosophy from the yoga sutras, which is a, uh, pretty important, uh, piece of work that we don't, it's accredited to this Patanjali, which could be one person. It could be a collection of people, but there is only, and it's this very sort of, uh, it's considered to be a super holy essential, like canon in the yoga universe. Mm -hmm. sure. And there is only one reference to asana which is the postural part, the physical part in the whole dang And that's what everyone thing. focuses on? Is that what you're And it says, well, yeah, it's funny that that's become what everybody focuses on, but it, it, and it's funny, but it's not funny. That's the way we learn how to understand things, right? I mean, like it's babies, like it's like, what, what can we touch? You know, how do I start to understand it by yeah. feeling it? So it makes sense that the asana is the way in for us. You need to move in progressions as children, right? You yeah, call, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. But all it says is that, and and the the Sanskrit translations can be varied, but it's basically, um, you know, uh, posture should be steady and easeful. So it sort of speaks to like the the stira bit is like a strength or a stability aspect, and then the sukha bit is like a sweetness or an ease or a softness. So all it says is that the posture should be both steady and easeful. So it's sort of a call for balance, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. So we have taken asana to mean, and, and asana is it, so all, a lot of the poses we do in a regular yoga class have Sanskrit names, right? And they're like Suktavada Kanasana and the asana means posture. So it's like, you know, uh, bound angle posture or, uh, um, I mean, they're warrior, posture of the warrior, or, you know, one-legged, I mean, it's like all of the, like, the all Ekapata, yeah, yeah, yeah. Triangle, mm -hmm. Muka, Triangle Muka, uh, Triangle Muka, I can't remember what it's, there are like all these ones that, like, and when you break down the Sanskrit, it just means like three, or foot, or head, or mm -hmm. hand, right? And then asana, or posture. But posture, and they originally, you know, everybody says, well, the original posture they were talking about was meditation. That's the reference they were making in the book is that everything, the only posture they were ever talking about was like a meditative seat. When, it, when you think about, you know, meditation is a place of sort of like full presence and, and, uh, but without, you know, mental stress or anguish or whatever, it's like the, the call I think could be, if this is the way you choose to interpret it, that, that yoga exists in the place where, you know, your physical posture, where you're physically um, and mentally and physically sort of steady, but easeful. Right. And so for me after, so maybe the yoga for you is that, you know, your attachment, your pull out of center is the need for the next thing. So maybe what the yoga eventually can bring you to is a sense that you can go to the next thing without being dragged to the next thing or searching desperately for the next thing. For me, you know, it took me a good long while and through your help as well to, you know, realize that like probably the reason that the little bits that I had that would not stretch, that would not release, were not releasing because they did not have the structural support to release into. So after all those years of yoga, and I'm not a super, I mean, I have some weird hypermobility in some weird places, but yes, as, yeah. as yogis go, I am more strong than I am flexible. Mm -hmm. And um, that's probably what's kept me from being injured for so long, to be honest, because yoga has created this 
cult of flexibility. That's probably a whole nother podcast, but, um, right. but, um, but you know, for me today, kettlebells are my yoga posture because until I can find, you know, I'm in the place of, in order to find balance in my body, in order to find a, a more functional balance of strength and ease, I've got to stabilize. I've got to stabilize. I've got to stabilize. And that has to be, and as much as the, the body weight work can give you strength, putting the sort of the whole, you know, neuromuscular system under tension, you know, and picking up physical response you can get with that, that you can't, you can't get it any other way. And that is a piece that I was missing. And there, there are some stability pieces that I was missing. And again, I think yoga is a great, you know, if you're only going to do one thing, it's not a terrible one thing to do, but ultimately, like you're saying, Wes, like it's the move has got to continue to be lateral. Um, so that, so that that balance, that functional balance is present. There's two things I wanted to circle back on. One, yeah. I completely agree with and stuff that we worked on, work on with a lot of patients. And I know Wes can attest to this. There's plenty of people who have hamstring inflexibility. Yeah. And they think they need to stretch more and mobilize more. Yeah. And what you can do, and this is proven through research, is you can do like core work or pelvic stabilization work, mm-hmm. and they'll suddenly get increased in their right. hamstring flexibility. Right. So we call that an easy way to do it. And, um, kind of like dumb it down is proximal stability for distal mobility. Right. Right. And that's this, and people can't even sometimes even think about that. Like, right. Oh crap. Like, no, my hamstring's literally tight. Like it's scarred down or like it won't move. It's like, no, actually if you put this piece in the right position now, all of a sudden you can move a lot better. It's not always about stretching and flexibility period. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, and that's where the, like that Eastern philosophy is really helpful. Is that idea of everything being connected in the cyclical bits. And, and uh, I mean, I was just talking to a friend this morning who I went to go see um, to help her with some, some yoga stuff. And it's, you know, she's like, this, this is just so, so tight, so tight and so tight. And I'm like, well, but it can't like, you can't just, if it's tight, it's whole, it, it's, probably holding on for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's emotional, energetic, structural, what I mean, like they're all interrelated. It's hard to sort of pull them apart, but like you, that, that core, I think the core piece is, is, is huge for a lot of people in terms of their inflexibility. And it's weird because they're, I mean, even within core strength, there are different types of core strength, you know, even beyond like, you know, the surface and the deep, yeah, like it's so complicated yeah, like that. and it's so, that's why the, the physical, like the one-on-one work with PTs and, 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 you know, chiropractors and bodywork specialists is so incredibly yeah. beneficial for people. And, they, and I like what you said too, about <clears throat> that. It's not always uh, structural or it's not always, always uh, um, one thing. It could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be like, there's so many reasons. Which sucks this people don't want to deal with that. No, <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's definitely yeah. patients and I'm sure Wes would agree that we get in and they're having pain and they're having dysfunction and we can't attribute a structural thing to it. Right. It sometimes will be anxiety ridden or it'll yeah. be multiple other things. Wouldn't you agree? hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Um, and it just gets nasty. And then how do you even have that conversation? I wanted to take a course, a Greg Lehman course where they talk a lot about pain oh. science. Yeah. Did you, you never ended up going, did you? No, I want no, to go to We'll go next year for sure. And it talks nothing about or everything about just pain science and how to have those conversations with people and get them to truly understand that pain isn't always a structural thing that there's, you know, your neurological system is just way more complicated than any of us can understand. You know, I always tell people if we understood the neurological system, guess what? We could regrow a spinal cord right now. Yeah. You know, and we cannot do that. So we don't understand everything. And it's really hard for people to sometimes accept um, that accept that yeah 100 percent. and it's why yoga ends up being this sort of like cure-all like yoga has become this thing that everybody thinks is going to fix everything yeah. and uh and yoga teachers a lot of times are under like an immense amount of pressure because people do finally relax you get them into sort of a a state where they do start to feel some it can feel very powerful very quickly and things are moving they feel release and they feel like they're a little bit buzzed from the whole like blood is flowing into places it didn't I flow. I feel like that after you. Yeah, and then they'll and yeah. then they'll they see the teacher as being this voodoo like magical person who has made all this stuff happen. It's like a lot of times that stuff happens by accident, and and then people will tell you sort of their life story and 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 a lot you know there are definitely yoga teachers that have gone the sort of like you know life coachy kind of route, which works real well for some people and is great. But I know that I personally 
I'm not a psychologist and, and, and do not have any, you know, I can, I can refer. Yeah. I mean, yoga teachers end up, you know, I get asked questions all the time that I would have to, you know, say, you need to talk to a PT or you need to go see, you know, a chiropractor or a rolfer or something that like, this is beyond my scope. But I do think that the yoga with regard to the, the breathing and the spaciousness of it does give people something that they can't really get anywhere else. Yes. That's my big appeal. Yeah. Flexibility and uh, kind of other stuff, but like, um, you kind of, yeah, you definitely like almost like a high, like at the end, you know what I mean? Like I never feel right. more relaxed and after that guided meditation and right after that movement, yeah. practice, there's just something about and it. And it kind of doesn't remember, doesn't even really matter what comes before that. Yeah. As long as you've moved your body a lot yeah, and then you lay down and have to stay there for like five minutes. Yeah. I mean, that is a game changer. Yeah. And people sometimes just need to do that sometimes. A hundred percent. There's a whole meditation piece, but, um, yeah. so the other thing I want to talk about, the reason I said, um, about the progressions oh, right. and how about this is everybody needs a goal. You guys are both pretty far into movement practices at this point. You've done movement and practice for years. So some people starting out, I feel like, and this is more human psychology in my opinion, mm-hmm. is they need that beginning and end to start their journey and then they can start to go lateral. If you all of a sudden first thing say, here's where we're going, we're gonna talk about like their eyes glazed over, it's never gonna happen. So for me, the reason I brought that up is like, hey, this is kind of like a beginning and end, but during that process, then you can start to integrate these more complex thoughts and ideas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. There's a time and place to kind of for everything. You know what I mean? So just, you know, kind of want to throw that out there. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I think it's especially helpful when you can get, I mean, I do think beginner, like, uh, with yoga in particular, like, you know, a lot of studios, more studios anyway, are, if they're not requiring beginner series, they're encouraging them or incentivizing them. I know, like, I mean, last I checked, you can just jump in at the CrossFit gym, CrossFit right? gym without yeah. doing a, a, an essential yeah. program, uh, that that's foundational and it gives people a goal. And, and, and I think that's really helpful. I do think that yoga in particular, we're so like, and I do think society, we need a lot of that spaciousness and that release and that letting go. But we, again, it's like, we've almost swung the pendulum so far that we forget to give people the structure and the goals and the, and the, and the, and the the sort of markers that can be really helpful in keeping them engaged because a typical pattern for a yoga student, I mean, it doesn't always happen this way is that people practice for a little while and they either jump right into a teacher training because they quote unquote want more or they've stopped having those like initial like because their body is starting to get used to it and they're right at that place where things could really get interesting but they just keep coming back to the same classes and it's like they maybe they'll try another teacher or they'll try another but it's like we don't really have things we don't have sort of a I mean, I hate to call it a hierarchy, but, but, but it, you know, we don't have these sort of compartmentalized, like, even if it were things tier like one, I'm tier saying, two, tier three. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, this is the I think you need that inversion structure. tier need that or the, or this is the, you know, hip tier the, like, even if you just did like we would do in an art studio and say portraiture or, yeah. you know, like color mixing or whatever. And, and I think we, you know, it's that hashtag yoga every damn day, right? That's like one of the most searched hashtags on is Instagram, it? yoga every damn day. And you got to use yoga every damn day is the one you got to use. Everybody uses it. I refuse to use it because it pisses me off. But, um, but because in theory, like that doesn't mean you don't want to be doing yoga. You don't want to do it the physical asana every day, unless the asana is truly connected to seeking strength and, and, and ease or yeah. a sense of balance. If you're doing chaturanga, up dog, down dog, they're just doing it to do it every to damn get, day to look a little bit better to make it right. You know, then you're going, then you're going to, yeah. Like yoga is really good. Like in, in, it's like the yoga is just like, I always tell, you know, teacher trainees and like about sequencing. It's like the yoga is really good. Just don't mess it up. Right. I mean, the yoga is, the yoga is good. You can just ask people to jump up and down 550 times and put them in Shavasana and they're going to feel better afterwards, you know, and especially if you can create some of an understanding of that strength and balance, or that strength and ease piece, the balance piece. Yeah. But like, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, you've got a yoga, 
yoga once a week in a dedicated fashion with the same teacher is going to be more effective than every damn than day. trying to do it every damn day, but like not being able to do it every damn day because that's nobody's life. And then so it's like it's funny, jerky jerky. All three of us almost have the same problem. So we all, you know, you're a chiropractor. I'm a PT. You're a yoga I don't know teacher. what I am. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> um, you know, we're a good yoga teacher, and we almost like it's like an identity problem. Like we're all kind of misfits in our own. Right, like we don't identify yeah. with what the status. Like you're not a regular chiropractor. I'm not a. I'm definitely not a regular PT. You're not what conventional wisdom would say a yoga teacher is or should you be know? at this point in society. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. should and you know, yeah. you know, not your definition of what no, a yoga teacher should be. Should. You know, so yeah, it's just interesting that that's why the three of us. I wanted you know, what yeah, I mean, we I have very similar qualities of what we think. You know, yeah, a different kind of experience that most people are seeking for, and it's just. For me, I know it's it's just a cultural thing. Like everything is every damn day. Everything is right. how hard can I work? How much little can I sleep? How much can I get in in one day before? I mean, it's just, it's almost everything is like that. It's not just CrossFit. It's not just yoga. It's like, which is interesting because yoga is meant to be, you'd think more meditative. Like the complete skills. opposite Whoever of that. decided to do yoga every day, it seems almost the exact opposite of my brain of what yeah. yoga stands Aggressively, for. Like, yoga every damn day. Yeah. Every damn day. Totally, yeah. Yoga for time. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you feel like it's sort of a society? And I like, I mean, I think a lot of really wonderful things are happening in our society and in the yoga world and in the fitness world. And so not to negate any of that, but I feel like there's a certain sort of underlying cultural desire to put in as little as possible and get as much as possible. Do you feel like that's kind of a... Well, I think that goes back to your... I loved your art class analogy. Like right. dropping into an art class and with like the evolution of like class pass. And, you know, Monday I'm going to go to yoga and wear my Lululemons. And on th Thursday I'm going to go to spin class. Friday I'll drop into another class. It's like, how do you... Like, no, just do one thing if you want to get good at it or you want to progress it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, putting in as little time, like, and then, like, why am I not getting better at yoga? Yeah. yeah. You're doing it once a week at a different place every time, wherever they're offered for free. Right. I mean, it's just, I like, I see, like, I mean, across, like, people want, people want cheap food, but they want really healthy food, but they really want cheap food. You know, it's like we're starting as a society to value things that require more time and energy and input, but we still are really attracted to yeah. the microwave dinner and the like innovation of like, you know, the late 60s, 70s and 80s where we were like fast, easy, yeah. disposable, you know? And I think we're, hopefully we're coming out of the other side of that and we're gonna gradually move towards it. But I think that, that more and more people in these industries have to just sort of, you know, uh, you know, just create new standards. Yeah. You People know, want create... something for nothing, for sure. It's called right? biohacking they now. Want, yeah, they want the result yesterday, and that's right. just kind of... And so that's interesting, like even with yoga studios or PT or Cairo, when someone comes in, I really need to get them to understand that what I do is beneficial, and I need to make them feel better right now. So there's right. a piece to that, but there's also this piece of like, hey, this is a lifelong journey. I want you to yeah. feel... On reason I'm doing this because I want you to be 100. So you have to have a meld of those two worlds because... There's somewhat of your um, job to hook that person in and create an emotional hook. So you can't be completely like that and just say, hey, we're not going to do much today because we're going to be doing this for the next 300 days. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're kinda like, it's, it's really hard. And if you do it well, and it's, it's tough. And putting – nobody – you're right. Nobody wants to put the work in and the consistency in. You know, they want to right. dabble in yeah. everything. Well, we have two we, minutes, by the way, to oh, cut me off. Shoot. No, it's okay. It's, it's just how it goes. Fire? Yeah. It'll cut me off at 59 and 99. So, um, no, yeah. I love it. This is, I knew this is the route that was going to go. So I was excited about it. But yeah, everybody wants to dabble in everything and be like, bam, I can all of a sudden just do a, you know, I can do a yes. muscle up today. I can do a handstand today if I just go and do it now. And that's. It's just not how it works. You're going to find out really fast. That's not how it works. Well, at a certain point, like I remember having a student that I want to do a forum stand, want to do a forum stand, want to do a forum stand. Then finally one day she practiced them after class. She'd ask me for tips. Finally one day she was in a forum stand after class and, and she was like, I'm, I'm doing it. And I was like, that's great. And she was like, well, how long am I supposed to hold it? And I was like, how long do you want to do it? Like she, all of a sudden she was like, now what? Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, that's, yeah. That's the big question. I struggle it, you know? with this personally a lot because I'm trying to reach all these goals in my business and my life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't enjoy 
the process and oh, you right. don't enjoy the moment, what's what's it even mean? Like, right. why are you even doing it? You have to enjoy the process as well. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, process, I'm gonna, process, process. Process. Enjoy the process. Be alive and present in the moment, which is very difficult in this yeah, world to do. So, for sure. Um, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank Actually, you for having me. Fun. Yeah. Yay. I just got to extend these to two hours or something. I don't think anyone will listen to two hours, yeah. but I enjoy talking to people for two hours. So it's we can just split them up into two. Part one, part two. Yeah. That's true. We could start yeah. doing that. Okay. We'll figure out a plan. Yeah. Still 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Ashley, appreciate coming on. Wes, thanks for helping out. Um, we'll see you guys next time. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.